Welcome to Thrive, a Paychex business podcast where you'll hear timely insights to help you navigate marketplace dynamics and propel your business forward. Here's your host, Gene Marks. Hey, everybody, and welcome to this edition of Thrive. I'm here with Jim Tobin. You know, Jim, I, I, even, I should have even asked you before you even got started. It's Tobin, right? T-O-B-I. It is Tobin, yeah. Okay, good. All right, so sometimes that trips me up. Jim, thank you. Jim is the CEO and founder of Ignite Social Media with offices in Raleigh and Detroit. It's ignitesocialmedia.com. Jim, thank you very much for joining us. Pleasure. So for starters, tell us a little bit about Ignite and what you guys do. Yeah, so we launched Ignite in July of 2007, so we're coming up on our 15th birthday. We were the first social media marketing company in the United States, so um, we've been doing this really longer than anybody, and one of the things that's been important to us over the 15 years is that we stay focused on social media marketing. There's so many opportunities for brands to market in so many different ways that we felt like being really good at one of them was better than being sort of average at all of them. Got it. So, you know, what does that mean, social media marketing? I mean, you know, it's and and I I only I only position that question because I'm I'm a an accountant, I'm a CPA, you know, by profession. And it used to be where you could be a CPA, but now it's just expanding you because know, you specialize in everything from personal financial planning to state taxes, you know, to a to e-state taxes. You know, social media marketing is like a big that's like that is a big topic. So do you specialize in anything particular or it is a big topic. You know, the epiphany for us was way back when I think Facebook had a million or two million users, and we thought, you know, brands are gonna eventually want to talk to folks who are spending their time this way. And if you think about marketing's always trying to pe- reach people where they spend their time, whether it's opening their mail or or listening to the radio or watching TV. And now one of the major sources of 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 attention is people in TikTok and LinkedIn and Facebook and all these platforms. And so what we do is work with clients to figure out, okay, how can you reach those folks? How can you get their attention? And how can you get them to take some sort of action that drives your business forward? Um, in, a, in a similar way to what you might you know, do with a TV commercial, except the tactics are obviously so much different on social media where people can talk back. We are, we're going to talk about influencer marketing in a minute, but man, I have so many questions to ask you because we, we struggle as a company with social marketing all the time. You know, we, we have challenges with, with this podcast, you know, like you and I are having this conversation right now. I want to get, I want to get this podcast in, in, you know, in front of, you know, business owners around the country who are, um, who are interested in the topic that we're talking about. Um, as well as, I don't know, maybe people that specialize in social media that, you know, could pick up a few tips, you know, on their own. Um, but I, and I want to target that in social media. It's a big, it's a big challenge for a lot of businesses to do that. And I wonder, like, has your business to meet that challenge? Is it, is it becoming more of just paid versus organic? Like, have you found yourself for like, Hey, Gene, you know, for you to reach the audience you want to reach, you're going to have to pay, not just us, but you're going to have to pay Facebook or LinkedIn. Right. It, it It's more paid, obviously, than it used to be. There were no real paid options until about t- 2010 or so. Mm-hmm. Um, but prior to that, you could do all organic. But but social media is a little different than buying a magazine ad or even a banner ad on a website in that you get a benefit if your content's good. So the organic reach of it can be 
can be very, very strong. It can be just a little, um, but but good content goes further and therefore more cost effectively than, than bad or average content. So most of our clients have a paid strategy of some kind included in this now, but there's still a benefit to having, to figuring out, okay, who really cares about what we say um, and how can we get their attention to get them to you know, follow us, react to our content? All right, great answer. All right, let's talk about influencers. So influencers are everywhere, you know, and I'm one of them. Give me your thoughts on influencers when it comes to business, particularly small businesses. Is this something just for big companies to leverage? It's not just for big companies. And I think the reason is, is, is the scalability of it all. Obviously, big companies can afford to spend on all these different tactics. But I think that the general principle is, can we find someone with a, a relevant social following and can we have them include what we do in that content? Now, typically that's a paid arrangement where you're paying the influencer. It used to be you could give them some free product and that was enough, but that's sort of mostly gone by the wayside, although there are some people trying desperately to keep it going. And, and the idea is that it's a bit of a benefit to both, right? They get the credibility of being endorsed in a way by a brand, but then you get the credibility of somebody saying, hey, this is, the, this is the, a good product for you to look at. And what I think one of the big differences is brands spend a lot of time saying, this is what we do and this is why we do it well, or this is what we make and this is why it's a good product. Influencers typically take the tact of, this is what this product did to make my life better. And that sort of inspirational, aspirational content really puts in people's heads the problem that your product solves, lets you reach a new audience, and therefore um, has been shown to drive better business results. It's almost like, you know, if a brand says, we're awesome, that's going to get you a result. And if somebody else says, that brand is awesome, that's going to get you A times two or A times three results. You know, you talk about influencers um, you know, having maybe small followings, you know, they don't necessarily have to have 250,000 or more followers, you know? Um, and I, you know, it's funny that you say that. Cause I, like, I speak every year at this huge aftermarket auto show. It's called SEMA in Vegas, you know, the specialty equipment manufacturer association. And I do, uh, like a couple of presentations, like on cash flow or succession planning, you know, and like, and, you know, I, I get like 50, 80 people that come to my presentations there are people that presented these shows that are like, I've never heard of these people before, but like, you know, it's some guy who is like, he can, he can take a carburetor apart and put it back together again. And everybody knows him. It's like standing room only to see this guy, you know, like, so I, I guess my point is, is that don't you, you must find that in every industry, like just because you're B2B doesn't mean there aren't, you know, influencers in your industry, right? They might not be household names, and they might not have a you know hundred thousand followers, but they could still have a big impact on your own products marketing. Correct. Absolutely. And we did a program um, for Ram Trucks years ago where we they were switching. Can't remember if it was to or from the Cummins engine. Um, and what we right. we got the guys who designed the engine in. And at the time, it was a YouTube thing because it was a bit there was no TikTok or anything, so it was a YouTube thing. But the people who came in were so interested in why the change was made and how the change was made. And if you think about it, 
those were influencers reaching influencers, right? So there's truck guys and the truck guy is who a normal person comes to and says, should I get a Ram or should I get a Ford? You know, so the truck guys are influencing the truck guy influencers who are influencing the regular buyers. So B2B influencer is a bit different in how you execute it, but the concept that the there are experts in these spaces and that their followers follow them is, is very much carries over. So how do I, you know, let's say I'm a cheapskate and I don't want to afford your astronomical fees to help me. I'm just kidding. But let's say I want to like kind of get started on my own. I'm a smaller business. Um, I, what, what would I be doing if I was looking for an influencer in my industry? I think I would start small and following the finding and following the people who are who are genuinely in your industry and then seeing about um what a relationship looks like that benefits both sides and so you're a b2b influencer and what we see in b2b influencers is long ongoing relationships what we see in b2c influencer is often one time, two time, three times. And um, the best ones I think end up being a long-term but they're not always that way. And so I think the next step though, and a lot of people think they'll contact us and say, what can I do with $1,000? I'm like, nothing. What can you do in marketing with $1,000? Almost almost nothing. So you know, the influencer has to be paid. Um, the, uh, the agency, if you wanna use one has to be paid. So if you don't wanna use an agency, you've gotta invest time in figuring this out. Now, the nice part is you can start fairly small, a local influencer who maybe you know and is trying to get going in, you know, they create really nice content, but they don't have a big following, but it would be really helpful for them to have a brand partnership of some kind. So how can you find the, the symbiotic relationships? The easy way is to hire an agency and pay people, right? But the, the way when you don't have that much budget is to do the legwork yourself and build those relationships. But the one thing I would say, if you're doing that is to make sure it's okay with the influencer and in your contract that you can take that content and amplify it. Because what we have found is by the time you pay an influencer for their name, for their content creation, and then they can't reach all their followers either. None of our posts go to all of our followers. So by the time you factor that all in, you're paying roughly per thousand impressions between $15 and $50 per thousand impressions. When you take that content and you boost it in a Facebook ad, you might be paying $3 per thousand impressions. So you've taken that cost, that cost of content creation, and you've made it much more valuable by getting it in front of more people. Now, the question that people always ask is, is the influencer uh, influential to people who don't follow them? And what we found is the answer is yes, if the content is good, because the ideas tend to be what's influential more than the person and their name. So good ideas carry well beyond the person who came up with them. So what you're saying is that the influencer self doesn't necessarily have to be like some big popular rock star if they are producing really good content for you. Um, that tends to have longer legs than just the, the, the name recognition of the influencer, right? Correct. And really good content varies. I mean, we did a program for lots of beauty brands and that content's beautiful. We did a program about Medicare Part D. That content was informative. And mm. that's the beauty of that content was that it actually answered some questions in a confusing space for people. So, you know, having that content um, really add value, it, it, will, it, will get, it will get legs if you help it along. Do you find that most of the influencers that you work with are in the business of being an influencer or are they doing something else when you approach them 
And they're like, I didn't even realize that I could make money doing this. You know, <laughs> what do you think? Yeah, mo most of them have it as sort of a, our, our sweet spot is people who have being an influencer as a side hustle. So okay. they have a day job, they're doing things and then they, but they've done it before because what we want to see is, do they have a business account? Have they done this with a brand and they understand there's rules you have to say you were paid, um, you know, those sorts of things. So we're looking for somebody with enough experience that we think they're professional and and credible. Um, but what happens with full-time influencers is they've got to feed the beast. And so they take everything and then their audience starts saying, you know what, you don't believe all this stuff. You're not, and, and their, their influence goes down, even sometimes as their reach goes up, but you don't see the click through, you don't see the purchases. Jim, can you give me an example, if you can, of a of an influencer or two that you've worked with in the past that you're like, this person is really legit, really good, and you know, my client really got value, you know, working for that person, um, just so we can learn like what makes a good influencer versus somebody not as good. Yeah, I mean, there's there's dozens of them. I think one that comes to mind is a she's a mom of a couple small kids. Um, and she's going and she has a, another a day job as well. And so she can talk about a lot of things. There's so many challenges that come with raising young children in terms of taking care of yourself and then taking care of these kids. So there's products that come along, there's life themes that come along, and there's a big audience of people in a similar life stage. So with all those things, you know, the one I'm thinking of, we've used on, on several programs because the stuff she says is believable and the stuff she says is things she's going through in her life and she's creating content that nobody is paying for that's also about her life so she started out as a content creator doing this because she wanted to share information about her life and then brands started sponsoring some of it that's the good situation um, when, you know, the influencer, the people, you know, mom influencers or mom bloggers were sort of the first to get famous doing this. And they were just sort of sharing about their life. And then brands started coming in and saying, wait, you have an audience. That's the audience I want to reach. So that's still the ideal sort of situation is somebody who still produces content just because they, they like to and they like having their following. And then brand partnerships are a subset of that. And now let's do the opposite. Give me uh, a, your thoughts. Obviously, you're not going to name names here, but does anybody come to mind that was just a disaster? Or <laughs> somebody that was, you know, you looked at and you know, come on, Jim, you've been doing this a long time. I, someday you're going to be, you know, an old man and you will forget all the successes, but you're going to remember, right, the 10 or 12 catastrophes that yes. you had in your business, you know? So, you know, what can we learn from one of those? Tell me, like, so we can avoid working with somebody like that. Well, there's two that come to mind. One, you know, the, there's the Instagram feed and then there's Instagram stories. And particularly early on in stories, the feed was always perfect, right? On this one influencer, everything she shared was beautifully curated, beautifully shot. In her stories, she would say, here's where I'm going to share the real real. And she would talk about badly about the brands that were paying her. She oh would, my goodness. Yeah, she would sell the product. I just got this. Anyone want to buy it? I mean, it was just, she was drunk in some of them. Um, so, you know, we follow, I think every influencer we, we look to hire. And so, you know, you see that and that influencer goes on the blacklist of like, we're just there. We're not hiring them for anybody because it's high risk. So that was one kind. The other was, a great influencer. She produced wonderful content on time, on brand, like just, just super buttoned up. And so we started 
using her fairly regularly. And then we realized, so were all these other brands. And that's when we realized 100% of her content was paid and her engagement rate was plunging, her click-through rate was plunging. And so we stopped using her and she actually called and said, what happened? You know, we used, and we told her and she said, oh yeah, I totally understand your perspective, but I've got to, I'm getting paid every day. I've got to, I've got to take this money for my family. And so, you know, that's one of the risks of using someone to do this who doesn't really know what they're doing is you end up hiring her. You think the content's good, but you don't know her followers have sort of given up on her. Um, you mentioned earlier about, you know, the cost of these people. Um, and, and I'm wondering if we can just kind of circle back to that just again, because, you know, I'm a business owner. I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to pay uh, to, to get an influencer involved. What do these people expect? And I know you're going to be like, it depends. So, you know, there's going to be a range, <laughs> but you know, that's, you know, as I've gotten older and ran a business for as long as I have, I realized that, and by the way, it's not just business, but in my personal life, I find myself answering a lot nowadays with like, well, it depends, you know, because people are complicated. Um, so it does depend, but can you give us an idea of what kind of costs and also um, how do you measure it? You know, like if I'm going to, business people hate you and marketers like you because it's all out there and I'm going to spend money on you. And I don't know, I can buy a piece of equipment for my shop floor. And I know exactly how many pieces I'm going to produce out that equipment that day. You, I don't know. So yeah. tell us what, what, you know, what kind of costs would be involved in, and give us some advice on how, how can we measure the success of an influencer? Yeah, so it, it obviously it does vary. You can do everything from someone who'll do it for free to Kim Kardashian's $250,000 for a single Instagram post. But most commonly, we see people between probably $1,000 and $5,000 for the assignment. And the assignment may be a few different pieces of content. Now, we've certainly paid a bit less. We paid a bunch more, um, but that's a frequent sort of sort of range in there. Um, and we're looking for people, you know, with over twenty thousand followers typically. So, um, so that gives you a, a sense of that. And then what we do with our with our syndication, we can actually guarantee a minimum number of clicks to a particular landing page on a website, and so, or we can guarantee a specific number of true view impressions among a target audience. So. We're trying to track that. And, and before iOS 14 with the pixel limitations, we could track a ton of stuff. Now we can track a bit less, but we do with clients who are selling on e-commerce, we do try to um, work with them so we can see the conversions coming from each influencer, coming from each type of content, so we can optimize to the actual sale. Um, because this does... We've got enough case studies with enough clients. This does work if you get the right piece of content in front of the right people. And that's part of it is not just, okay, influencer posted. I saw one guy hired, I think, 400 influencers. And he said, well, I, nothing happened. But he didn't have any measurement strategy set up. So why would you hire hundreds of influencers with no way to measure? Why don't you start with five and a measurement strategy? So, um, you know, you can, you can, you you get what you measure is what they say. And so I think starting out with how are we going to know if this is successful is a legitimate question in any marketing. Um, and if you can't answer that, I'd be hesitant to invest the dollars. Yeah. You know, 400 people that you're hiring. It sounds like he's planning a wedding, you know, rather yeah. than like hiring actual influence. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I mean, that, that really does sound, that sounds a little crazy. So, okay. So, you know, let's, let's also talk just a little bit about um, the types of businesses 
that um, are good. You, you had mentioned just earlier that you can always make it work. Um, you know, you can always get those impressions. I mean, and so I guess I got to challenge you on that and say, like, really, can you? I mean, you know, if I'm selling tires, you know, you can make it work versus if I'm selling something else. So, um, you know, I guess in marketing, if you spend, you know, enough and target enough, you know, you can, you can get results. It's whether or not the return is there. Um, what businesses do you think have the highest, um, uh, the highest probability of succeeding with influencers? Um, yeah. Things that do well on social do well with influencer because now you're taking what people are expecting to do when they're on TikTok or Instagram or wherever they are, and you're amplifying it and you're injecting into the conversation. Nobody wants to buy tires on Instagram. Nobody wants to search for tires on Instagram. When you need tires, you, you go a whole different path. And so we do well with, you know, food and fitness and fashion and lifestyle and retail and, you know, things that generally people often put in their feeds anyway. Um, if you're doing things like, you know, tires or some B2B things, the strategy completely switches. You might be looking at YouTube videos and blog posts that aren't going to drive much traffic in the short term, but they're going to help you be discovered in search engines over the long term. And so I think thinking about all right, yeah, we're tires. How does somebody buy tires? How do we get in the the you know the the, the search results or the consideration set when somebody's in that uh, buying set? Leads you to the tactics that are most likely to work for you. Jim, before and then we, we only have a couple minutes left, but I, you know, well, we're taking a little bit of break. You know, you you were saying how like you were working you know with with a lot of bigger companies, which is fair enough because big companies spend and they get it and they have marketing teams and this is it's they're in for the long run so I, I guess I just want to give you the opportunity as we kind of close this out um, to just give us a reality check you know if you're a small because I know over the years you have come across small business owners who have high expectations um, and don't get what's involved to really see results so just give it to me straight you know um, what, what you know what is the reality of using influencers to help market your business? Yeah, I had I had someone contact me not too long ago and they said we want to do a brand awareness campaign and you know we want to make sure people know our brand and and they said what do you think and I said you know please tell me you have more than 10 million dollars because <laughs> you know when you talk about TikTok alone <laughs> TikTok spent over a billion in advertising in a single year um, advertising the platform. And when you look at the Caspers and the you know purple mattresses and Warby Parker, they're spending hundreds of millions of dollars to build brands and they're not profitable. Those D 2 C companies are not profitable. And so when somebody calls up and says, I just want to do brand awareness and I'm a small company, my initial question is, do you really, or do you really need to make some sales to make sure you're still a small company in a, in a couple months? And so I think a lot of brands underestimate how much it costs to get attention among an audience of potentially 350 million Americans who are all busy doing other things. And so, um, you know, awareness and brand building is very, very expensive. Um, and a lot of these famous D2C companies aren't profitable yet. So I'm not at all suggesting it's easy or magic, or if you give me a dollar, I guarantee you're going to make four. Because if I did, if 
I could do that, I would just do it for myself. And so, um, you know, it's, it's hard work. It does work better than a lot of other tactics. I'm quite comfortable in that. Um, but it's, it's not an easy thing. And no brand, even the big brands we work with, has enough money to do everything. And so I think the first question for a small company is, do we have the bandwidth to do this financially, time-wise? And if the answer is no, that's okay. Just what's going to bring you sales and growth the easiest is probably where you should spend your time. Yeah, you know, that's such great advice. And th that's language, actually, that I really understand. I mean, if you're going to spend money, like, wh where's the return going to be? Um, and the return is sales, you know? So, yep, you, know, yep. you know, if we're going to go and do an influencer campaign, how is that going to generate not just clicks? I hate the whole clicks and impressions. Right. I'm talking about closed deals, yep. products being sold. Um, what is the best campaign that will do that? And it might not be influencer marketing, right? It might be yeah. something else. And and Gene, we don't do influencer marketing for Ignite. Yep. Because you know that's not how people choose a social media agency. They they it's, we blog. We blog a lot. We we're ranked really well because when people turn for an agency, they turn to Google. And so that's where we spend, we spend more time on blogging than we do on Facebook, because that's where people, you know, that's, we've thought about how are people going to, how are we going to get on the list for business? And that's where we invest our dollars. Yeah. I'm glad you said that because I should have asked you that question, like what you do to generate work for your business. And you're, you know, you're a small business. You're not, you know, yep. Microsoft. So yep. uh, it's, you know, it's the same thing. Jim Tobin is the CEO and founder of Ignite Social Media with offices in Raleigh and Detroit. It's ignitesocialmedia.com. We've been talking about influencer marketing, but Ignite does everything under the umbrella of social media marketing. Jim, thanks very much for joining us. Thank you, Gene. Do you have a topic or a guest that you would like to hear on Thrive? Please let us know. Visit payx.me forward slash thrive topics and send us your ideas or matters of interest. Also, if your business is looking to simplify your HR, payroll, benefits, or insurance services, see how Paychex can help. Visit the resource hub at paychex.com forward slash works. That's W-O-R-X. Paychex can help manage those complexities while you focus on all the ways you want your business to thrive. I'm your host, Gene Marks, and thanks for joining us. Till next time, take care. This podcast is property of Paychex Incorporated 2022, all rights reserved.